we're going to look at the Bible question, if Jesus literally returns to our planet, how will that return happen? First, let's look at a little background information. Daniel chapter 7 is remarkable. We looked at that in episode 73. In one chapter, God gives Daniel the sweep of human history from his time until the end of time. Near the end of that vision, Daniel sees a figure approaching God the Father. Verse 13 says this, And behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory, and a kingdom, and all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. That, along with many other passages in the Old Testament, is describing a coming anointed one, a Messiah. We learned a descendant of David, and much more than that. In Matthew 24, just prior to his death, Jesus answers a question of his disciples. What will be the sign of your coming to do that eternal rule, all power and dominion thing? Jesus responds with a number of signs. You should listen to episode 110, things to look for prior to his return. He finishes it by saying, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God and coming on the clouds of heaven. That's right out of Daniel 7. A few days later, recorded by Matthew in chapter 26, Jesus is arrested and put on trial by the religious leaders in the middle of the night in a kangaroo court. We looked at this in episode 114. When they can't get witnesses to convict Jesus, they put him under oath. Swear to us, are you or are you not the Messiah? Jesus replies, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Notice, you shall see, and notice how, coming with the clouds of heaven. We learned in episode 84, Jesus' first coming to our planet was shockingly understated. To a poor teenage couple in an out-of-the-way Bethlehem stable. We also learned in episode 172, there is strong reason to believe Jesus will come back to do that eternal king thing. But this time, it won't be understated at all. How will Jesus return to our planet? Let's take a look. If you're prone to roll your eyes, the Apostle Peter predicted this. He said, in the last days, scoffers will come, asking, where is the sign of his coming? And let's cut them some slack. It's been 20 centuries. We'll come back to Peter's answer in a little bit. The return of Jesus to our planet is a hot topic. If you look up on Wikipedia, dates people said Jesus will return, you're going to get quite a list. For two millennia, people have claimed dates. This is interesting because Jesus himself states, Not even I know when I will return, only the Father. Some of the dates on that list are 1914, October 1st, 1914 to be exact. When I was a 20-something, the year 1988 was a hot topic. Where did they come up with this date? They took the time Israel became a nation, 1948, and added Jesus' words about this generation will not pass away before the Son of Man comes. They figured the typical generation was 40 years. Do the math. 1948 plus 40. They were sure Jesus was returning in 1988. Then there was Y2K. 
Pointing to Peter's words, to God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, and then stating Jesus was raised early on the third day, they figured the dawning of the third millennium would clearly be the time Jesus returned. You see what they did there. But Y2K came and left, and no return of Jesus. Then there was December 21st, 2012, the sudden and mysterious end of the Mayan calendar. It's really worth a look on Wikipedia. Some will amuse you, but there's a sinister impact from all those failed promised returns of Jesus. I would refer you to the children's story, The Little Boy Who Cried Wolf. That could be part of the reason why, in the last days, scoffers will mock, where is this sign of his coming? In our last Bible Questions, episode 172, I gave three fairly compelling reasons why Jesus needs to physically return to planet Earth. I'll be quick to add, there are good people, godly people, people trying to honor the biblical text, who believe Jesus is here through individual Christians and the church, and there is no need for him to physically return to our planet. I'd suggest you listen to that episode and do your own study. This position really does require stretching of a lot of biblical texts. If you're wondering about the question, when will Jesus return, I encourage you to listen to episode 110, The Signs He Gave Prior to His Coming. In this Bible Questions, we're going to look at the how will Jesus return. Both Mark and Matthew give us much help here, directly out of the mouth of Jesus. In Matthew 24, Jesus states, If you hear that I've come, that I'm out in the wilderness or in that room over there, forget it. There's going to be nothing secret about my return. Mark adds, some people will come claiming to be Jesus and do false signs and wonders, some of these so charismatic and powerful that Mark says it could almost lead God's people astray. That should be a warning. It's at this point in my class, I ask the students if they know how the FBI trains their agents to spot counterfeit bills. They spend no time looking at counterfeits. They master the original bills, how they look, feel, fold, and even smell. That's the key to spotting a false Christ. Jesus said, here's a better metaphor. Lightning. As lightning flashes from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus then talks about cosmic signs with the sun, moon, and stars. Some people believe he was being literal, that there'll be changes in the heavens. Others believe it's figurative. Those are symbols of cataclysmic events on our planet. Both Matthew and Mark then say Jesus said, You shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You shall see. Matthew adds, there'll be a trumpet call gathering his people from everywhere. Think Old Testament ram's horn, maybe. Well, that sounds like we should see Jesus' return coming. But Jesus tells us that's not exactly the way it'll happen for some. Jesus then refers to the time of Noah as an illustration. Jesus said, at the time of the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Though Noah had been building this massive boat and preaching the coming judgment of God in a flood, nobody seemed to expect it. In Peter's words, they likely mocked. 
where is the sign of this flood you said was coming? I then give my students the famous illustration of the frog in the kettle. If you toss a frog into a pan of hot water, it will immediately jump out. But if you put it into a pan of lukewarm water and you slowly add heat, the frog's body will adjust and eventually it can't jump out. It will pass out and cook. I've heard urban legends about hot tub thermostats sticking and people cooking in their tubs. Jesus tells his disciples, for some, I'll come like a thief in the night, not necessarily at night, but when you're not suspecting it. Then Jesus adds, be watchful. The Son of Man may come when you don't expect it. Odd, isn't it? Unmistakable signs we should be ready for his coming, yet caught unprepared. Jesus then gives several parables to hammer home his point. The parable of a person put in charge of a master's house, getting slothful until the master comes unexpectedly. Ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom, but five of them not prepared for his sudden coming. Three servants given various levels of money, asked to invest them until the master's return. Two investing and the other not investing at all likely believing his master would never return. That's what Jesus has to say in the Gospels about how he will return. In the letters of the New Testament, we get an additional gem from the Apostle Paul in the first letter to the Thessalonians. Paul planted this church on the second missionary journey. We looked at that in episode 130. He was only there for three weeks to lead them to faith and to begin to ground them as followers of Jesus. Shortly after he left, they had a big problem. Paul had told them that Jesus, who died for their sins and was raised, and then 40 days later ascended to heaven, was going to return. But they were troubled. They were wondering, when Jesus returns, what about our loved ones who went all in on Jesus but are already dead? To answer this question, Paul, carried along by the Holy Spirit, writes this, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Paul saying, Stop biting your nails. Those who have died trusting in Christ are in great shape. Jesus is going to bring them to God. How? Paul continues, According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, did you catch that? Will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And then Paul talks about how he will return for the dead and the living. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Let's break that down. For the Lord himself, his return will be personal. Paul makes it emphatic that Jesus will come. He'll come down from heaven. His return will be visible. If you combine this with Acts 1.11, where the angel said to the gawking observers at Jesus' ascension, 
this same Jesus will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Add to this Jesus' statement in Matthew 24 to his disciples, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds, and it seems pretty clear the return of Jesus is not something that will be easily missed. This visible return of Jesus is important. For example, the Jehovah Witnesses claim that Jesus returned as an invisible influence to reign over the earth on that date I mentioned, October 1st, 1914. The next statement Paul makes is, It will be with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. His return will be incredible. In scripture, a loud command is normally a call to battle. The trumpet call is the shofar, a ram's horn summoning the people to a solemn assembly. Paul continues, And the dead in Christ will rise first. His return will be powerful so powerful that all the bodies of those who've died in Christ will be raised from the graves where they've been buried or where their dust has been scattered. Let's summarize. It will be personal, visible, incredible, unexpected, and powerful. What happens to those who are alive when Christ returns? After that, Paul writes, we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds. After that, what? The that is the event in the previous sentence, the raising of those who've died in Christ. The word caught up is the word which is translated into the English word rapture. Why are living believers caught up when Jesus returns? Paul writes, to meet the Lord in the air. The word used here for meet is only used three other verses in the Bible. Matthew 25, 1 and 6 and Acts 28, 15. In Matthew 25, it's used to describe bridesmaids coming out to meet the bridegroom. In Acts 28, it's used to describe a small welcoming party coming out of Rome to meet Paul on his journey to Rome. Now please note, in the case of the bridesmaids, they proceeded back to the wedding reception with the groom. In the case of Paul's welcoming party, they proceeded back to Rome with Paul. The normal interpretation of this verse would suggest that those who are living are, quote, caught up, unquote, to meet the Lord in the air in order to return back to the earth with him. Why is this an important distinction? Well, here's why. In the past 150 years, a strong branch of Christianity has embraced the teaching called the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I grew up in that school of thought. Using the First Thessalonians 4 text, to be fair, there are several others, they suggest that Jesus returns before a great tribulation to secretly raise those who have died in Christ and catch away living believers to spare them from the tribulation and to remove the godly influence so evil can run amok. They believe that at the end of the tribulation, Jesus will return all the way to earth with believers to clean up on Satan and establish his kingdom. In other words, Jesus actually returns two more times, first coming for believers to catch them away, and later coming with believers to judge Satan and sin and establish his kingdom. In this view, the imminent return of Christ is stressed. The secret coming of Jesus could happen at any moment. Now a full discussion of the Bible question, will there be a rapture, a coming for before a coming with, really probably needs its own Bible question. And frankly, I'm not sure you're going to get a real clear answer.
I suggest to my students, if you're the generation alive when Christ returns, why not be prepared to suffer rather than be zoomed out of here before it gets too bad? And if there is a rapture, hey, that's a win. Here's what I believe is clear. Jesus is returning personally, visibly, sensationally, and powerfully to raise us or catch us up. Some people will see it coming, and others won't have a clue. I end by going back to Peter. That comment, where is the sign of his coming? Why is it taking so long? Peter answers it two ways. First, God's outside of time. He's not biting his nails over time like we do. A day to God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. But then Peter adds one more reason. It's God's will that none should perish, but that everyone should have an opportunity to come to eternal life. What's taking him so long? Maybe he's waiting for someone listening to this to hear the gospel. The second to last verse of the Bible says this. Jesus states, Surely I am coming soon. And John the writer says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.